welcome. We're here. Yes, go ahead and stand, and I'll pray us in. So, Jesus, God, we just, we just thank you. I thank you for each person right here, right online, God, and I ask that Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit, come and move. Do something in us. Make us like you, God. Um, we offer you this space and this time for you just to love on us, for us to love on you, God. In Jesus' name. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go.
just thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you, you come. You come every time to move in when we need to build our faith, when we need your presence, when we need your healing touch, when we need miracles. God, we just want you, Jesus. i uh-huh. 
for that love today, Lord, as we came into your presence with worship and praise. God, we feel your holy presence with us and we thank you for it. God, you are a God of love and mercy and grace. There is no shame. There is no condemnation in you, Jesus. We're so thankful. Father, we ask that when we are weak and when our faith isn't strong, that Holy Spirit, you would come and you would just strengthen us so that our faith, the size of a mustard seed, Lord, can move mountains. Lord, we pray for our body this morning. We know there are those who need healing, those who need provision. Father, those who need wisdom and guidance, would you please meet each and every need here? Father, for relationship struggles and for um, neighborhood struggles. God, you're the answer. You're always the answer. Your love is sufficient. So we thank you for that this morning. And we don't pray for it just for our congregation, but we pray for Emmanuel Free Church, that Lord, you would meet with them too. You would provide everything that they need, that you would be their comfort and their strength. And God, we pray for Luke and Kyla Preventi in the Czech Republic. Lord, we pray that you would just be with them as they minister to students at camp and as they prepare to hold Bible studies following those camps. God, that you would pour out your presence and your spirit and that many students would come to know you as a result of that ministry. Oh, Lord, we love you this morning. We praise your name. We give you all honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, you can have a seat if you're here with us. I want to welcome you. If you're watching online, hey, thanks for being with us today. And if you are a guest, we just want to specially welcome you. We want to get a gift into your hands. And the way that we do that is through our connection card. We just ask you to fill out that little card. You can also get them at the connection point in the lobby if you're here with us today. And we have a gift for you. You can meet some people. But we just want to make you feel right at home here at All Shores. So we're really glad that you're here worshiping today. And as we do every week, we continue our worship through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And if you are a guest, there's no expectation for you to give. If you're a regular attender and you came prepared for that, uh, we have envelopes and gift boxes in the lobby. We also have an online option for you. But I want to thank you 
We couldn't do what we do at All Shores. We couldn't have the ministries we have. We couldn't support our neighbors the way we can without your faithful giving. And so thank you for that. Thank you for your sacrifice and for your generosity. And now uh, take a look at the screen for an announcement, please. Hey church, we are coming up on the start of another group semester. And at All Shores, groups exist for one simple reason, for you to be known and for you to know others. We say our groups are as diverse as we are. We need groups of all shapes and sizes. And at the start of every group semester, we're looking for people to step up and to lead a group. I believe to my core that every single person can lead a group, that we all have influence. Doesn't mean that we lead the same type of group, but our encouragement for people is to take what they love, take what they already make time for, and to simply invite other people into that. Some groups center more around building new relationships. Other groups center more on taking steps in your faith. Here's what I know. All of us, wherever we're at in life, we need each other. We can't do this thing on our own. And if you want to have a conversation about an idea of a group that maybe you want to start, we'd love to get in contact with you and hear more about that. The two ways you can do that, email groups at allshores.org. Or as always, you can go to allshores.org slash groups and register your group today. It is my joy and privilege today to tell you about the Wellsprings Healing Prayer Ministry here at All Shores. You may not have heard about it. We've flown under the radar for about five years now. Uh, but behind me on the screen, you will see testimonies from some of our guests uh, who have received healing through this ministry. And I just want to tell you a little bit about it. It started about 20 years ago by a Wesleyan pastor and as I said, five years ago, All Shores began to partner with them to provide a ministry that would, um, it actually ministers to believers, so followers of Jesus, and uh, who weren't necessarily feeling the abundant, joy-filled life that Jesus promises us in the book of John. And so this ministry is a team approach where we just create a space for the Holy Spirit to minister to our guests and to provide spiritual healing that might be blocking physical healing, emotional healing. Uh, you can see the testimonies on the screen. They're varied. They're, they're uh, yeah, you can get all kinds of emotional, spiritual, and physical healing through one of these prayer sessions. And so I just want to tell you that if you're bothered by things like anxiety or depression or a physical ailment that you've been to the doctor for and they just can't quite seem to get you over that hump, this could be one of those ministries that you might want to check out. Anybody can benefit from one of these sessions because we all have pain in our lives. We've all suffered. 
And sometimes that creates just a spiritual blockage that the Holy Spirit wants to remove for you. And so if the enemy can keep us from living the joy-filled life that God promises, we are less likely to share our faith with others, which is what the gospel is and what we are called as believers to do. And so if you'd like to know more about our Wellsprings ministry, please visit the table in the lobby today. Uh, I have team members out there who would love to tell you about the experience. Uh, we have orientation sessions which commit you to absolutely nothing, but just will give you a little bit more information if you'd like it. So thank you for letting me share with you today and enjoy the rest of the service. Well, welcome again to Spring Lake Campus. Those who are joining us online, good to have you with me. Okay, there's one. All right. <laughs> oh. Well, we are in week three of our series called Inside Out, Living on Mission. And this really is the mission of all shores. Now, we, we have our mission statement, right? It's radically loving, growing together in Christ. And the words we use oftentimes are like outreach and abiding. And so last couple of weeks, we've talked about our abiding personally and then corporately. So Dave Horn talked about how do we discover those times with the Lord where we are abiding with him and hearing from his voice. That was great. Evan last week talked about what does that look like corporately as we gather together to abide together. So for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the outreach portion, which is the radically loving and what does that look like for us personally? What is that inner drive that you and I have to reach people for Jesus? We're going to talk about that today. And then next week, more of the corporate. How do we do that together as the church? So if you've missed any of those weeks, would love to have you go online and check that out and, and kind of catch up with the series. Because this really is what we are all about. Discovering how we can spend time with the Lord, hear from him, and then step into our world on mission, doing outreach and reaching people with what we're hearing from the Lord. So, radically loving, growing together to, with growing together in Christ. That's what we are all about. That's the mission. So, we're going to get into the text this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So, if you have your Bible apps or your Bible, you can open up to that passage. We'll get there in just a few minutes. But uh, let me pray as we bless the reading of the word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. And Lord, as we open up your word and as we discover today what you have for us, I pray that if there's anything of me, that it would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever is of you today, Lord, that it would change us. It would challenge us. It would correct us. It would convict us. Lord, 
that it would do something in us that we might become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, I hope to answer a question today for us as followers of Jesus. And this is the question, but why? Now, if you have children, grandchildren, are around children, you're probably asked this question quite a few times. But why? Because there is something about learning the reason, the purpose, uh, that inner drive of why we do what we do, right? And little kids want to know that all the time. I was with my grandson. He's going to be four next month. And we were hanging out on Friday. And, and uh, you know, I told him, Papa's got to mow the lawn. But why? Well, because, you know, the sun and the rain cause it to grow. But Why? Good question. I didn't want to get into the whole photosynthesis part with the three-year-old. Plus, I have no idea how that works anyway. <laughs> so I just start making stuff up, right? Well, this is because that's, that's the way God designed it. But why? I don't know. Maybe green's his favorite color. <laughs> but Why? Maybe he's a Michigan State fan. <laughs> but why? No one knows why anyone's a Michigan State fan. <laughs> it took a long time to get there, didn't it? Oh. It's not just children who have this question. It is that inner personal drive, that something that we want to know why we're doing what we're doing. Teenagers, you guys are in school. I know you ask this question. If not the teacher itself, you're, you're asking in your head. They give you the math paper, right? Do these problems. But why? How is this going to help me, right? Do this research paper. But why? And then you, then you enter into the workforce where you're actually using the math that you did learn, right? But then it's like file this report. But Why? Take all the items on this side of the store and move them over to this side of the store. But why? Right? We want to know why we are doing what we're doing. There's something about that inner drive and that purpose that brings meaning to everything that we do. A couple of years ago, 2020, they uh, did some research and uh, employees said that uh, 82% of the employees said it was important for their company to have a purpose. Ideally, one that contributed to society and created meaningful work. 82% of us said we want to know that when we show up for work, there is a reason for this. There's a drive. There's a why. Separate research from 2022, just a year ago, showed that 70% of employees say that their personal sense of purpose, that inner drive for each of us, is defined by their work. There has to be meaning in order to perform better, be more committed. Those who understood the why were more than half more likely to, to stay in their job, not look for another job. So we need to know the why. We need to know the purpose. And today I want to talk a little bit about, well, what is that when it comes to our faith? When it comes to this thing called Christianity, what is that inner drive? What is that purpose for following Jesus? 
And if you're not a part of the church, maybe today you're visiting or you're watching online for the first time. And I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of people who aren't a part of what we would call the church or Christ followers. Because sometimes it looks a little funny from the outside, right? Well, what do you guys do, you Christians? Well, we gather together on Sundays. We all get together. But why? Well, we sing songs, kind of like, you know, the Disney songs with the little ball, and we all sing the same words. And... But why? Well, we don't just sing songs. We, we have someone talk to us about the Bible for a while. Some of you are asking right now. <laughs> but why? Well, we also read our Bible personally. But why? And we tell people about Jesus. But why? And you might be able to answer some of those questions. You've been around a while, and you, you can give some direction, and you can answer some of those why questions. Some of you are really good at it. But imagine those who are on the outside who don't understand, who don't understand why we do what we do. I wonder if sometimes we even understand, because we can get into a rut and just do things because it's what we've always done. But when you really understand the purpose and the drive behind it, it changes things. It gives you that, that drive. Imagine what it was like then for the Apostle Paul in the early church. Because we're in a culture where there's some idea of what the church world is like, even though people don't understand why the church does what it does or why Christians do what they do. Imagine what it was like in that early church where there was no churches, there was no buildings, there was no New Testament. There were no Christian songs. There were just individuals who wanted to tell stories of what Jesus had done. The Apostle Paul is one of those individuals who encountered Jesus. He was a Jew who persecuted Christians because he didn't understand the why. But he encountered Jesus, and when he did, his life was changed. He changed his name from Saul to Paul. He stopped persecuting Christians and he started teaching Christians. And God said, I want you to go and I want you to reach non-Jews. I want you to go into the world to reach Gentiles. So Paul went to city after city and on multiple mission trips to places he had never gone before, to people that he didn't know and cultures that he kind of understood in order to share the good news about Jesus. And the question was always, but why? Why did Paul do what he did? Paul answered that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He gives reason for what he was doing and why. And I think, I hope, that as we discover his why, that it can be the same for you and I. Of why we as followers of Jesus do what we do. So Paul starts off in this verse 13 by saying this, if we are out of our mind, as some say, so people were saying, these guys are out of their minds, it is for God. But if we are in our right mind, it is for you. Now there's another passage of scripture that uses the phrase out of your mind. And it's in Mark chapter 3 and it's, it, it was Jesus' family describing Jesus. 
Paul is kind of borrowing from that and going, hey, people thought he was out of his mind for what he did. I kind of feel that way that people think I'm out of my mind for everything I'm doing. Jesus would go into communities, village after village, and he would heal the sick and cast out demons and make the lame to walk and the blind to see. And then he was picking up fishermen on the way and tax collectors and zealots and talking to Samaritans. And people were like, who is this God? And he wanders into Capernaum. It says he entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. There's all these people around Jesus. But when Jesus' family heard about this, they went to take charge of him because they thought he was out of his mind. Paul uses the same phrase. It means to be beside oneself. It's, it's where we get the idea of insanity. They thought he was crazy for doing everything he did. People thought Jesus was crazy too. Paul says, but if everything I'm doing seems nuts, right? If everything I'm doing is out of my mind, then I'm, do I'm doing this for God. He and I have something. And so I'm just doing this for him. It, I can't lose because this is between him and I. But if the things that I'm doing, going from town to town, preaching the good news, praying over people, seeing, seeing people get healed. If I'm seeing what was happening when Jesus was here, then maybe, maybe this is for you. Maybe the reason I'm here and the reason I'm sharing Christ is for you. It's a great argument. It's a win-win. If I'm out of my mind, it's for the sake of God, but if I'm in my right mind, it's for you. That's Paul's argument of what he was doing. But then he gives the reason why. For Christ's love compels us. I kind of wanted to stop there in this passage. Because literally this is what Paul says the why is. But why? Because Christ's love compels us. The word compel means to restrain. It means that you can't do anything else. It's just that. Everything you do is done for this reason. And Paul says that reason is the love of Christ. It's Christ's love that compels us. And it's not just the feeling of love or our love of Christ. It's Christ's active, present, past. It's what Jesus has done for us and what he is doing for us that should drive us to do everything we do as followers of Jesus. Paul says it is this com compelling love of Christ that he says, we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Meaning that Jesus, here's the gospel story in a nutshell, right? This is what he's telling us. Jesus, who was God himself, left heaven, left the authority that he had as God, came to earth, the incarnation, God in the flesh. He lived among us. He did ministry. He taught us about the kingdom. He taught us about his heavenly father. And then he paid the price for our sin. That God would place on him our punishment for our sin. And he was crucified on a cross and was buried. And then rose again. 
that we might have new life, that we might be forgiven, but also have the same resurrected life. And this is what Paul says, that Jesus died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live, those who know Jesus, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is the good news that Paul has been going around and preaching, that there is something that Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And it's that love of what God did for us through Jesus that compels us to be out of our minds, to do whatever we can do for God. He goes on. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Paul says... We used to look at people and see them as just bodies that are out there. Here today, gone tomorrow. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Paul says, but when we found out, when we discovered that God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for them, that they might be in a relationship with God, that their sins might be forgiven, that they might have a new destiny, that they might have a new destination in heaven, that they might have a new purpose on earth, that they might find joy, that they might find peace, that they might find unity within the body of the church, all of these things. Paul says when we realize what Jesus has done for us, we see those people differently. They are no longer just an object. They are a treasure of God. They are his creation that he longs to be with and to have a right relationship with. And when we do that, when they come to know Jesus, they become that new creation just as we have. We have new life in Christ. We have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And it's all because of what Jesus has done. And so we don't see people the same way anymore. We see them the way that God sees them and he desires for them to know what we know. All of this, Paul says, is from God. All of this. This is what God did for us through Christ. That's how much he loves us. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. To reconcile is to take two enemies and bring them together. And the scriptures tell us that before we knew God, right? Before we knew Christ, we were enemies of God. But Jesus died for us so now that we can come together. And this is what Jesus was doing on earth. I, I know I just keep telling the gospel story over and over again, but this is the compelling part for Paul. He says what Jesus was doing on earth is he was bringing people who were lost and connecting them to his heavenly father. He was reconciling them. He would go out to the Samaritan woman. He'd I, granted, this, these, aren't, these aren't the exact words in the scripture, but Jesus is like, have you met my heavenly father? Oh man, does he love you. He touches a leper that no one wants to be around. He says, have you met my heavenly father? Oh, you got to meet him because he loves you. He would make the lame to walk. Have you met my heavenly father? Let me introduce you to him. Soul after soul, person after person, Jesus 
was going from village to village and reconciling people to his heavenly father. Have you met my dad? He loves you. And he would pay the ultimate price and sacrifice himself on the cross in order for people to be reconciled to his father. Paul says that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, right? Bringing people, that's, that was God was doing that through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He gave us the same ministry that Jesus had. That means that was Jesus, what Jesus was doing, bringing people to his heavenly father, simply is, that's our job. That's the why. We are compelled by the love of Christ, of what he has done for us, to simply go into the world and go, have you met my heavenly father? Man, does he love you. You feel alone? You feel discouraged? You're sick? Man, have, you, have you met my heavenly father? Man, does he love you. You know how much he loves you? He sent his one and only son to die so that you wouldn't have to so that you can have a new destiny, so that you can have a new purpose, so that you can know what I know, the love of God for each and every one of us. That ministry is what God has given to us, the church, followers of Jesus. If there's anything we do, that's why we do it. We're compelled by the love of Christ to simply reach out to a world and say, have you met my heavenly father? Let me tell you, what he's done for you through Jesus. It's not difficult, but sometimes we forget the why. Paul said, this is the why. He has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. He's pleading with the world, but he uses people like you and I. He says, I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We represent Jesus to our world. We are his voice in the world. We are his hands and feet in the world. We are his expression of love in the world. We are his ambassadors. We represent him in helping people to come to know our heavenly father. Why do we worship? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we want to discover more of God? Why do we reach out to our neighbor? Why do we help those who are needy in our community? Because we are compelled by the love of Christ. It's what he did for us. And we can't wait to see others experience what we've experienced. Amen. Paul would say, you can do for others what Jesus did for you. Jesus was in the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people, introducing to his heavenly father, and he's committed to us that ministry. That's what we're to do, but the why, but why, is because we are compelled by the love of Christ because of what he has done for you and I. Now, some of you, are already doing this. Some of you wake up in the morning and you're thinking through your day and you're like, 
Who will I have the opportunity to share Christ with? Who am I praying for right now that doesn't know him? Who are the individuals that I'm going to bump into at school or at work or in the community that need to know what I know about Jesus? You carry that passion. You carry that, that drive personally. Some of you would say, man, I, I know the why. I don't know sometimes the how. And we have a simple acronym here, and I'm not telling you this is the only how, because when the Holy Spirit moves, if you are listening to the Holy Spirit, there are times where he will just have you say something, do something for someone, just because in that moment, it is their time to come to know Jesus Christ. I've been in those situations. It's not science. It's listening to the Holy Spirit. But we can help ourselves by putting ourselves in a place where we can hear from the Holy Spirit. So we use this acronym called BLESS. This is how we pray for people. We begin with prayer. We listen to their stories, get to know them. Do they have aversion towards Christianity? Maybe they've been hurt by the church. Maybe they're going through some great difficulty. Get to know their why. They haven't come to know Jesus Christ. Eat with them, serve, have them serve you, you serve them, care for them, love them, and share. Share your story and share God's story of what he did for them. Now, I've had the opportunity, I have different people in my life that I'm at different stages here. I have individuals that I've listened to, I've heard their story, I've eaten with them, but I haven't had the chance to serve them, perhaps, or share the gospel with them. But others I have, I have one friend that he told me, he's like, Thad, one of these days, I'll let you know. I'm not ready right now. And so we still continue to have that conversation. And I ask him all the time, when will you know you're ready? What's keeping you from making this decision? Because of all that God has done for you. You can just receive it. We also have a, Frank list is what we call it. It's another acronym. We like our acronyms. These are people that we pray for that are on our list. Who are your friends that you pray for daily? Your relatives, your acquaintances, your neighbors, your coworkers. Maybe your next step is to simply start to pray for people. You haven't started to do that yet. Maybe your next step is to share the gospel or to eat with someone or I don't know what that is that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do. But everything that you and I do, we should do because Christ's love compels us to reach a world that is lost. That is everything we do as a church is for the sake of others who aren't in the church. That's the goal. Some of us need to be reminded of the why. This passage is significant to me. It's personal to me because in 1998, 25 years ago, um, I felt like the Lord in my abiding time felt like the Lord wanted me to plant a church. And so I said to my wife, what do you think about moving to a community and starting a church? She said, are, are you nuts? Maybe. I went to the lead pastor and I said, hey, I, I think God might be calling me to plant a church. He said, well, it's not something you just step into lightly. I think you should fast and pray and seek his direction on this. Okay. 
I was about nine days into my fasting when God woke me up at about three o'clock in the morning. And I went out to the living room and I opened up the scripture and I just started reading and I came across this passage and verse 13 jumped out at me. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. It's everything we do, we do for that reason. It was a win-win for me. It's like, what do I have to lose to move into a community for the one sake of just sharing the gospel and the good news with people and seeing what God could do? So we did. Our realtor, when we bought our house, I think he thought we were crazy because he said, uh, so you're moving into the area. What are you moving in for? Or what do you do for a living? I said, I was a pastor. He's like, oh, where's your church? Well, we don't have one yet. Oh, well, where do, your, where, do your, uh, where do you guys meet? I said, nowhere. He's like, how many people do you have? No one. <laughs> if we are out of our mind. <laughs> Two years later, he was the realtor that was helping us to purchase an old theater in town that we were going to renovate for all the people that we saw God. That we saw God transform. Marriages saved, people healed. Children coming to know Jesus Christ and following him. Dedicating, baptizing, worshiping. All the things that we do was because we were compelled. Compelled by the love of Christ. You can't lose if that's your drive. Several years ago, young man in our church, yeah, I'll call him young. He came into my office and he said, I got to talk with you because God's called me to the mission field. All right, let's do this. It's been several years, but this Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to be commissioning Dave. Can't use his last name for security reasons. But Dave, who's in this room right now, will be here. And at 6 o'clock Tuesday night, we're going to commission him to go to the Turkic Arabic field. He has sold his house. He's selling his car. He just took his kid to college this weekend. He just probably has one suitcase right now. He's living in our mission house. He's left everything behind. He's quit his job. And if you were to ask him, why are you going to a foreign country with people who speak a language you don't know to do a job you have no idea how to do? (laughs) And he would tell you, I'm compelled. Compelled by the love of Christ because there's 99% or more people in that country who have not heard the gospel. They have no idea what God did for them. And he is going to find a way to tell them. Man, if he can do that, you can go to work and do it. You can do it in your neighborhood. What would happen if everything we did was done because we were compelled by the love of Christ.
Oh, would that our world would be different. Lord, would you stir in us that why? Would you stir in us the reason why we get up in the morning? Why we can even have a conversation with you because, not of because of what we have done, but because of what you have done for us in Christ. That you have made us new. And what you did for us, we can do for others. And we can share the good news. Lord, I pray that that mission that you have put us on would, would be real for us this week and in the weeks ahead that we would learn how to be bold in our faith and to let others know why we do all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with communion. And if you're uh, a part of all shores, you know this is a response to the word. And we're going to remember what Jesus did for us and the love that God had that he would send his son for us to die on the cross. If you're a guest, you don't have to be a part of our church. You don't have to be a part of our denomination. This is an open table, we call it. Christ invites you to experience this with him. He meets us in this in a mystical, personal, powerful way where he meets us. And maybe it's just a word for you today. Maybe you need to hear that God loves you. Maybe you have yet to make that decision. And while you receive these elements today, just simply say yes to him. God, would you forgive me? Would you come into my life? Would you make me new? I want that reconciliation. I want to know my heavenly father. We're gonna stand if you would. We're gonna worship as we prepare ourselves to take communion and then uh, and after we worship I'll lead us in receiving the elements no longer I who live but Christ in me for I've been born again my heart is free the hope of heaven you call my name out of the grip of darkness into the light of grace oh just like Lazarus God you brought me back to life oh where there was dead religion now there is living faith all of my hope and freedom I found in Jesus' name, just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life. No longer I who live, but Christ in me, for I've been born again. My heart is free, the hope of heaven before the grave 
brought me back to life When something says I am guilty I'll point to the price you paid When something says I'm not worthy I'll point to that empty grave Oh, just like Lazarus Oh, you brought me back to life Oh, oh, no longer I who live But Christ in me For I've been born again I'm heart is free The hope of heaven before me The grave behind Hallelujah You brought me back to life Scriptures tell us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples. They would soon come to know how much he loved them. The following day when he would hang on the cross and say, it is finished. Making a way for them, all of us, to be right with God. But that night, as they gathered for that Passover meal, he took the bread. It was unleavened representing without sin, just as Jesus was without sin. He broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And then taking the cup, which represented the blood of a lamb that was shed, that was slain in Exodus in Egypt, when God delivered his people, when he passed over their sins because of the blood. And he rescued them and he delivered them from bondage. Jesus said, that blood? <laughs> now this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. My blood shed for you to deliver you, to pull you out of bondage, to pass over your sins that you might be made right with my heavenly father. Let us take and drink in remembrance. Lord, again, we are grateful. We cannot even express what it means to know the love of Christ. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just be something we receive, but that we would be compelled by it. That all that we do would be to glorify you, to reach others for you, to bring them to that relationship with their Heavenly Father. What you did for us, Jesus, you call us to do for others. I pray that we would enter into that, Lord, faithfully and committed. It is the why. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship. Well, how can I begin to thank you? For all that you've done for me, Jesus, to fully praise you, it will take all eternity, just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life. Oh, you brought me back to life. Oh, you brought me back to life. 
Christ in me, for I've been born again. My heart is free, the hope of heaven before me, the grave behind. Hallelujah, you brought me back to life. No longer I who live, but Christ in me. For I've been born again, our hearts are free, the hope of heaven before me, the grave behind, hallelujah, you brought me back to life, hallelujah, yes, you brought me back to life, hallelujah. God, you brought me back to life. Amen. Amen. I just want you to imagine what it would be like if the person sitting next to you down the road is one of those people that you've had the opportunity to share Christ with. That those people that God has placed on your heart would one day be sitting with you and singing this song about what God has done for them. That's what we want. You are his ambassadors. What Jesus did for you, you can do for others. Introduce them to your heavenly father. I want to remind you, Tuesday night, if you're around, we'd love to have you come for a commissioning service. If you, don't, if you haven't been to one before, just want to invite you to come out. It'll be about 45 minutes. Uh, service, You'll hear more about what Dave will be doing in the Turkic Arabic field. And it's just our way of committing ourselves as a body to support and to pray for him and to send him. Um, and uh, would love to have you here for that. And then next Sunday evening is our baptism service where we are going to celebrate all the lives that God has changed. And so we'd love for you to, to kind of plan on that. So Sunday the 27th, I'm not going to name a time because I'll probably get it wrong. But it's at Pottawatomie Park in, uh, in Grand Haven, and so I want to invite you to put that on your calendar and plan to be there for that. Why don't you open up your hands and I'll give you a blessing. And now may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, continually fill you with his spirit. May he prompt you this week to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around you to share your story, to share his story, to invite people to experience what you've experienced and for them to know the love of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.